Welcome to Girl, Get a Real Job, a podcast series by Women of the Week, a platform amplifying the visibility, voices and work of women, trans and non-binary creatives. I'm your host, Sara Karpanen, a multimedia artist, a writer and the founder of Women of the Week. Girl, Get a Real Job is a space where we normalize money and business talk as artists and creative practitioners. To continue the conversation, please find us on social media at Women of the Week and Girl, Get a Real Job. Now, let's start talking about the real worth of our creative work. Social. And I also want to take uh, time to thank our funders, Hackneywick, Fish Island, Creative Introvert Zone, and of course, Economy of Hours for making not only this event possible, but our wonderful Week Free Dancers program that ran in 2021 and 2022. And so, my name is Sara, and I'm wearing two different hats tonight. I am the programs coordinator at Economy of Hours, and I'm also the founder of Women of the Week, a local media platform elevating the voices, work, and visibility of local, especially women and non-binary creative practitioners. So the theme tonight is financial resilience as a freelancer, which is an extremely timely topic. Over one third of the creative workforce is freelance, and I think our wonderful panelists tonight will also help us tackle tonight of some of the challenges perhaps that being a freelancer may face. Um, so let me introduce you to our wonderful, fantastic panel speakers, who were also all of them part of the Week Freelancers program. So Sarah Parisa McQuire is the founder of Keto Creative, a coaching practice dedicated to uplifting and empowering the creative workforce. Travis Crowther is a local freelance branding designer and the founder of the Modern Designer Branding and Marketing Studio based in Hackney. Shana Goodrell is a VC Pat entrepreneur as well as a radio presenter and a DJ on BBC Asian Network. And last but not least, Sylvia Morgado is an artist with a socially engaged practice based in East London, Power to Connect, and she's currently on a PhD program with the research Diversity and Inclusion in the UK Art Institutions. Now, I would like to kick off our panel discussion with a question for each and every one of you. So, I'm really curious to know, how did you end up doing the things that you are doing today and becoming a full-time freelancer? I think this is a question that many aspiring freelancers especially um, would like to know. How do you become a freelancer? How do you become self-sustainable, self-employed? Uh, Sarah, would you like to, to go first? I think there might be another question. Hello everyone, um, thank you for the introduction. So my journey with uh, freelancing originally started completely randomly, completely falling into it. I finished school at 18 and took a gap year which went on for 15 years. <laughs> um, I didn't know what freelancing was, I hadn't been taught through school what it was to work in the creative industries, aside from 
my professional interests around performance that I didn't want before. Um, so I kind of made my way through the creative industries, really figuring things out just on the hook. Um, I ended up working in institutions for a long time, for several years, and then at some point when I had a better picture of what it was to be freelance, I decided that, you know, I kind of want a part of that. And um, I started slowly building a practice producing specifically, um, and it got to a point where I built up enough work to take, take a leap, um, take, a, take a risk and step away from institutional working. Um, and that was in 2017, so I've been in three months since then. Intentionally this time. <laughs> Hi there, I'm Travis from the Modern Designer. Um, yeah, I would say I've always been entrepreneurial from a very young age. Um, my dad was uh, self-employed his whole life, um, partly with a dentist and a photographer, and kind of sometimes both at the same time. Um, so it's kind of like seeing him uh, making a path for himself, choosing the kind of jobs that he works on, and just that freedom, um, and a certain level of, I guess it's like pride and being self-sufficient, it always like, appealed to me. Um, I'm very much an ideas person, so not seeing the boundaries of why an idea shouldn't happen, and working within agencies which have tried to do, there were so many moments of like friction when the agency owner or the client wanted to do a certain thing a certain way and I just thought that's not how I would do it, that's, is this right, Should we, is this legal, is this like, surely not right, you know there were so many moments like that and, and I couldn't see my career, my career progressing beyond being quite entry level within an agency. So I kind of just built it for myself and stuck at it. And it's not been easy, but you do start to have breakthroughs at some point. So I'll just encourage you, if that's how you feel, that something isn't right for you, move on, do something for yourself. And yeah, I can recommend it. If that's your, if that's your feeling, your gut feeling, listen to it. Beautiful. Yeah, similar in terms of the entrepreneurial shape, but what I found is it's only been a year for me since freelancing, so I celebrated my freelance anniversary uh, last month, which is very exciting, 12, 12 months. <laughs> uh, but for me, it's very much that I was in a full-time job and felt like a cog in the wheel for a long time, and I realised that I there was so much more to me than what I was doing within that, that kind of core company. And like in the pandemic, we all had that time where we thought about our lives in general and where we will go and for me that was I didn't want to stay there anymore and I wanted to kind of pursue lots of different things. I had a business as well that I was running. I always wanted to pursue kind of different elements and different kind of parts of me. So started presenting and DJing that I, I started doing when I was 16 but I actually left behind for a long time. So freelancing has basically enabled me to start actually picking up those parts of me that are really important. So yeah, definitely can't wait to talk about it more. Mm -hmm. So, my journey was a bit different. Uh, I'm from Brazil, I've been living in London for 13 and a half years now. And back in Brazil, I was a freelancer for many years. So, um, 
I started my career as a journalist, and then I started working in theater and film production. Um, from there, I came to London to do a master's in writing. And here I was still working as a producer doing film festivals. But then, after a while, to stay here, I had to have a job that would give me my visa, right? So I, I was for like seven years working for a company. It was good because then, through all this process, um, at the time I, I didn't want to do it because even in London I was still a freelancer. Um, but it was great because then, you know, my interest changed a little bit. Uh, through my email writing, I started working um, in visual arts as well. And then after these seven years, I was very lucky that 1st of April, no joke, 2020, pandemic came and I was dismissed from my job. <laughs> no, it was the best thing that happened. <laughs> Everybody was like, so because I left this job and then I was working for the British Council for a year. No, that was, was a good journey, but I didn't want to be there anymore. So I was trying to find another job because I didn't have the courage to go back being a freelancer. Mm -hmm. Then I had no choice. Mm -hmm. So it was great. <laughs> so I can say, like, here I'm a freelancer now for two years. Mm -hmm. right? um, and um, yeah, it's been amazing because I'm only doing the things that I love at the moment. So I'm a community artist, so I'm applying for grants, working in grant projects, working with young people, um, you know, doing a PhD in diversity and inclusion. And I think everything is linked. All my work is somehow linked. Yeah. That's how I became a freelancer again. Fantastic. Thank you so much for all of you. Um, so one of the things that I guess it's the advantage of freelancers is that you can actually put your own price points for your services and essentially decide the worth of your creative work. Now, that's not always the easiest of tasks to do. Now, I would like to ask you, how have you then landed on your current price points um, and also if you have any tips on other freelancers on perhaps how to decide which works best for you and for what type of projects and I would maybe like to ask this from Travis to start with. Yeah, so um, pricing is a thing. I have dyslexia with numbers, so I mean that's a superpower when you're designing because it makes you really great as a visual communicator but when you're trying to like work out pricing and, and everyone charges different things and and maybe uh, someone else's services are not the same quality as yours and it's very hard to, to weigh up uh, that stuff. I basically in the end, after a bit of trial and error with different pricing models and, and, and whether the client should pay half up front and all that stuff as well, it's like, wow, it's a minefield. I just went with what I felt was right. So I, I had a model designer we charge a flat hourly rate and that's for any service that you have so whether it's branding, graphic design, web design, video, social media content, you charge a, a really fair affordable price and it's literally that's the price you pay and it just helps me when I'm doing invoicing. But it also helps the client to see if because I work a lot with charities and startups, they kind of want to know ahead like how much they're roughly going to pay as close to it as possible. 
Um, so yeah, if I can sort of say, well, that, that, that job will take between six and eight hours. I usually do the range rather than specific. And it's always an estimate. Um, and, but yeah, usually if I, can, if I can estimate, then they can kind of say, oh, well, six hours, that's six times 70, that's this. Or, and, and if it goes over or under, I'll give them that time back for the other project. Um, so it's just about being fair, and I felt keeping it simple as possible for you. Because the last thing you want to do, the best thing you are is doing the thing that you're doing. It's not working out pricing, doing all this like, mental gymnastics. Yeah, that's a, that's a great advice. And also something that I would like to just note here is that you might all know this already, but there isn't a single industry where women are paid as the same as men, and the freelance industry is no exception. And I've recently read um, that freelancing women earn £44 less per day than their male counterparts. Now, I know, Sharma, that you're very passionate about elevating other women's work as well. So, have you got any tips for, or advice perhaps, for the women sitting in the audience? It's a great question and something we, do, we really do need to address. I would say, for me, a big thing is a confidence around money. I think um, many of us do struggle with putting money on the table, but also tying our work with money. And I think it's learning to separate ourselves from that. And what I try and do is every three clients now, without fail, I, I go up a little bit, whether that even be tenor. And it just helps with that confidence. And each time now, I found that I'm getting better, so therefore I charge more especially with kind of marketing services, it just helps boost that confidence. It helps them realise that you're growing as a, as a human, you're building your projects. And also what I do now is I work backwards. So if I'm like, I want to make X amount a month, this is how much, minus tax, minus everything, but you have to add in pension, etc. This is how much I need to make. And I've really started bringing the Excel spreadsheet and <laughs> bringing that to life because it's something that I definitely didn't like. <laughs> But I've now fallen in love, I've fallen in love with it. So I'd probably say think about those points and make sure you have allocated time every single month to actually sit down with your finances and let them be your best pal. Great, great, great. Thank you, Shana. And for Sarah and Sylvia, more like recent freelancers, I would like to like one of the areas that we as freelancers obviously have to do ourselves as well is to get clients. <laughs> and so how do you put yourself out there? And Sarah, you recently started your, your coaching practice, which is doing so well. And, you know, like I love the ethos behind and everything that you do. But, yeah, how do you put yourself out there? How do you find clients or do your clients reach out to you? How does it work for you? Um, before I answer, I just want to add a quick um, additional um, thoughts or fact that I recently learned, which um, I was in a conversation which had a lot of choice makers in there, largely in the subsidised arts world, and someone raised the, um, raised the research, raised the facts that the average day rate for many subsidised arts workers hasn't changed since the 1980s. So, the point I want to add here 
is not just, oh, let's feel the shock, but also thank you guys for facilitating this conversation because we really need to talk about this. We really need to normalize conversations around finances, around money. And it might not be that we start saying like, oh, these are my rates, these are my rates with everyone here, but it might be that we find a buddy or we find a couple of people that we feel comfortable with and confident with to go, can we just talk about money for a second? Because I'm doing it by myself, and I have been for a while, but actually being in conversation, being in community with others, we can find, um, yeah, we can find more clarity, we can find more confidence, exactly as Shannon has been saying. Um, so the question about where do I get my clients now? <laughs> um, so as a, as a producer, I found that most of my work came through word of mouth. As I start now this uh, coaching practice that I've recently launched, Thus far, it's again comes through word of mouth. However, um, one thing that I am now moving toward and um, have been chatting about with a couple of people here is this idea of being a real fucking business woman. Mm -hmm. um, and this is something that I think, again, with the money situation, is something that we don't always spend enough time talking about. It's like Karen said, we have this really specialised set of skills, all of us in this room. And there's a flip side. And the flip side to that is that we are people living in a capitalist world and we have to know business, right? Um, and this is the bit that, again, we aren't necessarily always taught how to navigate that stuff. Um, so right now, ha, um, <laughs> I'm doing a lot of work around strategising, um, around marketing, I'm tapping into some echo, uh, echo marketplace, learning about SEO, how to um, optimize my website, all of this kind of thing. Um, I know that the word of mouth thing um, is something that I am really grateful for, but I also know that there's another side of strategy, um, of reaching out to my networks, of asking them, can you push this to your networks because I really do believe in this work. Um, and and beyond that, you know, like fucking newsletters and all this kind of stuff, like social media strategies, knowing the numbers, knowing that if I put out a hundred things, maybe one will come back, but that's okay, and I just gotta stick in there. Um, so yeah, lots of things, lots of things. Sorry for swearing. That's okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also to add to that. Thank you so much for pointing it out, Sarah. Uh, really wise words uh, and a conversation that I think needs to continue. And I think what we're doing here tonight is to start those conversations, even if they feel a bit uncomfortable, even if we, are, we don't have to be experts and fighters to start talking about money and pricing and, and, uh, and resilience as a freelancer. Um, do you have anything to add to that, Sylvia? Um, I think, like, for me, what's happening now it's like more to networking or people are being working with through programs like the freelancers that I had a program that was part of. Now they invite me to work, so... But it's hard work <laughs> to get there, you know. It's like, yeah. Absolutely. Being part of programs, applying for grants, mm -hmm. and when they offer less than anything, they should pay me. So thank you, but yeah. Yeah. Not this time. <laughs> I think one of the things that we just uh, touched on and also something that came up constantly during our weekly freelancers sessions, which is based on action learning and methodology, 
um, really based on the idea that we actually have the answers within us to our challenges and, and um, yeah, that we face in our, our careers and our lives with the help um, from peers and, and, and support from other people as well by asking um, open-ended, intentional questions and also thanks for our uh, facilitator, Trude, who is here today with the audience. Um, so, peer support. So I think you know, that's also one of the things that freelancers so often face is how to tackle loneliness and isolation as a freelancer, mostly working from home. Any, any um, thoughts on that? So how have you perhaps faced the issue, the challenge, and then tackled it by yourself? Um, I think like sometimes, to be honest, I like to be here. Because <laughs> like, I'm doing a PhD, so sometimes I need this space. But uh, I was really missing like being with people. And I think like my voice, you know, uh, sometimes I cannot focus when I go to cafes. With like music, and sometimes you have paper, you know, to print stuff. So I think like the, the way I do with that is like to try to meet or to call a friend, you know, when I need support, I call someone or, you know, we're having meetings again, so this is pretty cool <laughs> to be able to meet people, to have meetings like face to face instead of online, like spaces like this, but yeah. But for me, sometimes I really need like it's boring, but yeah, I try just to, you know, have music, <laughs> enjoy the, the, the time that, you know, when I cannot, yeah. Uh, yeah, I found running a co-working space was definitely uh, the best thing I could have ever done. I'm part of 30 other uh, basically freelancers slash entrepreneurs and they're all there around the table when you need that kind of support if you've got a proposal, you've got something that you're just like tearing your hair out and it's just one person you kind of need to be like, it's fine, just send it off. So um, I can definitely send details around actually because they're always looking for more people. Uh, it's in King's Cross and it's just a really nice opportunity to meet um, connected, like-minded people that are taking a plunge as well. But also just having accountability buddies I found really, really helpful. Every Friday morning I've had like half an hour little catch-ups, we've had little mini goals that we've set and it just helps you stay on track and it just helps with that loneliness as well. Great. Yeah, so um, I guess a lot of my friends are now freelancers have similar experiences and I'm kind of done with having sort of, I don't know, rubbish friends I guess. It's like having friends that are kind of like how useful and like, they're not rubbish but I get some bad on. Uh, anyway, it's okay, I'm in the past. Uh, uh, no, I guess um, just having really useful friends where you can have like, you can meet in the park and have like a useful conversation and people actually bolster you up with what your life kind of like life mission is like not wasting your time but just being more mindful in the space during the pandemic i knew that i wanted to use that time i, I wasn't furloughed i was working fully like more than ever which was very rare in my friendship so because everyone else was furloughed and having the time of their lives i was just like <laughs> so working so hard um, and I knew that I wanted to get something out of it and uh, so I kind of like, um, I got a, like a life coach and we were meet, meeting online and um, I've recently got 
um, a wonderful uh, business coach helping me um, in Sarah, yeah. And um, also like my personal trainer became like my socializing plus my fitness plus my friend. And uh, we've actually become very close now, like as friends and we hang out and we actually talk about like other stuff. And, like I, I'm always surprised with his dating life, um, which is a, a thing. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's become like a co these, these beautiful friendships have come out of being a freelancer. And, I'm sure there are people here and within the Echo, like, um, is it called uh, an Echoverse? I don't know. It's a community. Community. Uh, within the Echo community, there's going to be like people that you can reach out to. And it's moments like this where we're in a room, it's a lovely safe space where you can just chat to people. You know? Don't feel that pressure of networking, like, which is awful. Everyone hates networking. Um, but you could make some really beautiful friendships as yourself and not as somebody that you feel you need to be. Fantastic. So? Breach. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. No, I think you raised a really good point actually um, in the final bit, which is like we are entering a new time now, we're entering a new space where we can think about other ways that we can connect out more. Um, and more and more, I think there's an appetite for it, right? Where we want to see these new communities. So, um, yeah, I love all of it, all, everything. <laughs> what does resilience mean to you? Um, for me, I, I wouldn't have had a promise you not know, so. <laughs> we, we tried it, yeah. but um, yeah. Yeah, and then I'll check. Yeah, yeah so, um, I doing life coaching was really great, I think, and, and having a coach and like reaching out to not just like your peer group, but also like professionals that can help you open the door to just giving yourself permission to take that next step, whether at the moment I'm thinking of employing people, which is like my job will change from being a freelancer to being an employer and so much. It just changes fundamentally the, the dynamic within the business, but also what my day looks like. Um, and I'm just, I mean, one reason that I took Sarah on is to, to get me through that door of just becoming a different, becoming a different, running my business differently, I suppose, and seeing it differently, and, and, and allowing myself to be prepared for when those challenges come. But in a nutshell, resilience for me, and I know the moment when I found resilience was through having a life coach. And so we talked, I think, with my life coach. I knew that I wanted to talk mostly about career because I was at the point where I was having an awful time at Design Studio, which will remain nameless. Uh, but I'm still operating. Um, and every time I go past, I get PTSD. Um, so yeah, and, and she gave me permission to, to leave. And, and the first thing that happened on day one, all the clients that I've been working with emailed me through LinkedIn. So on day one, I was so lucky. It was like opening. It was like Christmas morning, but as a freelancer, and all your presents are just these clients that give you like the next three months of work. It's just there in the calendar on day one. It was like how I never planned for that to happen. Um, but resilience for me meant that whatever comes through the door, letter the next day, bill, or you being evicted, or something like that, whatever comes through the door, it's cool. I'm me, in my skin, in my body, and I'm cool, and I can deal with it. And that's really what resilience felt like for the first time ever. And 
I just keep that going now. It's like that whole energy of just, I can deal with this. Well, I've got chills. Mm-hmm. That's always a good sign. Shana? Oh yeah, Sarah, resilience. Um, for me, resilience, um, I love everything that you just said. Um, and I think many of us can um, resonate with what you just shared. Um, and that feeling of um, surviving the integrity, right? And getting through a period. Um, I guess there's a, there's a, not to be too provocative, but there, there's also a flip side, again, always. Um, for me, where I also wonder how we as an industry might move beyond the word resilience um, and what it might be for us to, there's another word that you shared as well, which was around sustainability, right? Which um, maybe we'll come back to that, but, but um, prior in the conversation. Um, yeah, to me, there's something here around like, the politics of language and how we as an industry have um, inherited a lot of survival mechanisms in order to get through some quite uh, uh, unfair situations when it comes to creatives and creative work in this world that we are living in. Um, so for me, there's a conversation where it's like, Ah, and then what happens when we move past resilience? What happens when we move past survival? What does it look like to be living in a, not just sustainable, how can sustainability be the baseline of where we are? And what might it be to move into um, spaces of, of abundance or plenty or um, beyond security? Um, so resilience, I feel, for me, is a very emotional word that, um, sorry, this is a bit of a, um, a Bank or something. Um, <laughs> there's something around like we talk about uh, intergenerational trauma, and the word resilience for me speaks to a kind of industrial intergenerational trauma. And so, how can we move? How can we support each other to move into a new era? I guess a little bit. Um, yeah. I love how you unpack the semantics of the word and just bring a whole new arena of possibilities. How we can even look at the topic and I think even for me that gave the, the kind of thought of how does it feel like to hold abundance in our, our bodies as freelancers, how would that look like moving beyond of just surviving which I think resilience is, is somehow perhaps attached to. Thanks so much for sharing that, Sean. <laughs> more high level in terms of money and I'd say that my monetary kind of mindset I did have an issue with it it's something that I did realize after coming out through the pandemic working on it actually I needed to have a better relationship with money and especially when you are dealing with the money side when you're in a full-time job you have it you know end of the month it's in your bank that's great whereas you do have to do a lot of I've not been paid on time, I'm going to have to chase, keep chasing until you pay. <laughs> and if you don't pay, I'm going to charge interest. And it's just that money you have to face head on, I think has been really difficult. And actually it's taken me a year of even adjusting of, wow, you don't get paid on time when <laughs> you're a freelancer. Uh, so I'd say being kind of financially resilient in that aspect is just knowing that one month you're going to have 
some money in your bank, sometimes or not, and it's because your bank account's going to be laughing at you. But it's all about managing that and getting through that each month. And I found that I've been 10 times more organised from where I was last year to where I am now, of just understanding how projects work and how the cycle works of freelance and how long it can take. So that has really helped. And it, it does take a while to adjust. I'd say it's not it's just not easy. It's a learning process. Thank you. Resonates with me. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, well, resilience, one is like to be persistent, you know, um, patient, <laughs> a little bit of everything, but also, yeah, learning to say no to, like, something like it's an amazing project, but you're not paying well. I can't, you know, like, uh, and I think this is being like, yeah, I think it's the most difficult to say no to something. Like, I love this project, I would love to do that, but, you know, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> and yeah, because I think like at the beginning, because I couldn't, because of my visa, do lots of the works that I would like to do, I did lots of things for free. So to break, from this situation and be what I am today was a bit difficult because people were used to seeing, hey, I'm doing for free because, you know, I cannot get paid for some reason. Um, so, yeah, it was, you know, it was a journey. Mm -hmm. You are setting up the bar and, you know, the kind of conditions, how you want to work and who do you want to work with, which I suppose is also one of the benefits of working as a freelancer. Which I would like to touch on, we talked about challenges, but what about the highlights? What about the you know, exciting bits? What makes you to, to choose continually to work as a freelancer? Any of kind of past highlights you would like to share with us? You can go ahead first, yeah. Oh, I love to be a freelancer because I love freedom. Freedom. <laughs> freedom. The, yeah. You know, uh, sometimes when I have meetings, people are like, where are you today? Where are you today? <laughs> it's every day there's a different background. <laughs> so, you know, I, lo I love to be able, you know, to be, to have my own schedule, uh, you know, to choose the people I would like to work with, to do only the things that I love. It's a journey. And I heard this a lot during my, you know, journey. With, it's impossible. It is so draining. You want to only do the things that you love, so wait till you see. <laughs> right, you know. Yeah, it's a lot that goes unseen as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Amazing. Sean? Yeah, yeah, similarly. I think full time job when I was in marketing, it was great um, for what it was, but I was doing the same thing kind of day in, day out. Whereas now I kind of have two days on marketing, one day on um, supporting people, projects that I love, one day on radio. It's like so different now, each day is just so vasty. Um, one day I'll have the mic out and be doing voiceovers all day, and the next I'll be working on a branding strategy. So, so it's great to have that as a generalist, because I found that I can't put myself in a box anymore. And you're actually able to then upskill yourself. I'm training to be an investor at the moment, and that's another skill that I want to freelance eventually and become the enabler of the Canadian investment. So it's just continuously moving yourself away from that full-time job like I find now. I can't, I can't really find a job that, that fits now, but I couldn't have it any other way of being so 
uh, vast in the skill set and actually each day getting get to work with a different company and a different brand is, is great. I love it. Mm. Yeah, I think that so many of you continuously keep expanding in, in, in ways in which perhaps that other full-time roles wouldn't necessarily allow you to do. Maybe maybe sometimes it's, it's just necessary because you need to be your, your accountant and the social media manager and the you know, marketing manager and the, the business. Yeah. Um, unless if you're Travis, you can also hire a lot of people in the business, which is fantastic. Anyway, I got a bit sidetracked there. So back to the initial question. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's, at first I was like, how am I going to answer that question? But actually when I think about it, my life now is so different from how it was when I was working in a design agency at the behest of somebody else. Like being at a desk for a certain time, for a certain amount of hours, and working on those projects that I can sort of apply myself to, but maybe they're not right for me, and I kind of have this gut feeling that this is wrong or something. And to now where I'm moving more towards like even like a three day week, sorry. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's so good. And like, yeah, if I work three days a week, that's like fine. And I can, like, it's not great. It's not all great, don't get me wrong, but it's, I can have that, that freedom of like, oh my God, the sun is shining. Thankfully, the other day my laptop overheated, so I took that as a sign. <laughs> so like, yeah, let's get outside and like, let's just be more playful in life and, and take those moments. It's like goal, you know, those, those moments when you can get away from the desk. And really, the, the, one of the massive highlights is just the friendships that I've made through, from other freelancers in my network. Those really deep friendships where we're supporting each other through life and through our journeys. And, um, yeah, and, and, and all the friendships that I'm about to make as well, like in the future, through being a freelancer, that I wasn't making while I was like stuck in a room with like, you know, people that you know, maybe I didn't want to be with, but, you know, all these other, I had some really horrible experiences, so, sorry. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's like night and day, it's so different my life now, but it's, it's all great, mostly. Um, well, I've, it, it's worked together to a point where you are resilient and then you start to flourish and, 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 and once you do, sort of like, try and ease into it a little bit and not be so sort of like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, like, try and chill a little bit, chill through one, so, <laughs> if you can. I don't want to shame anyone that does have anxiety, but, yeah, take those moments. Amazing. Sarah, would you like to add anything to some of the highlights? Um, yeah, love everything that you said. Um, and also recognising that some of the things that you just described might not apply to everyone in this room, right? So not everyone in their freelance capacity gets to travel all around the world or gets to meet all these interesting new people every day. And um, one thing that when, as we're all sharing, um, that I just thought about, which I'm like, uh, something that is so cool about being freelance is, in a way, it feels like this really special um, personal, professional development tool, right? It's like every day you are pushing yourself 
to go out and do this shit. Like every day you are analyzing, okay, who am I? What am I capable of? What am I gonna do? And it's over time you see this cumulative, brilliant growth. Like not everyone has this kind of environment. Not everyone has chosen to put themselves in this kind of environment and this way of being. So, um, yeah, I think for me, like, that's something that's so special and unique to all of us, hopefully, um, you know, at least in Paris. Um, yeah, great, absolutely. Um, so I've got a final question before we open the question for the audience. So you all join our Wick Freelancer Programme at ECMO. Could you just quickly share maybe one takeaway, perhaps a reason for joining and, and uh, yeah, a memory or an anecdote from the journey? Sure. Go ahead. Um, for me, I think the thing that I took away from the programme, which I'm so grateful for, it came at a time when I was really transitioning into this new space and this new company. Um, is this sense that being vulnerable, um, being in community with people, opening up, being human, letting it all go in a safe space, thank you, um, is our chemical. And I think often as freelancers, we do go by day to day just in our own heads, in our own minds, but actually being in a space with others, it can unlock so much. Um, and it did for you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, I think the thing that hit me like really early on in the first meeting was that there's not one type of freelancer. There's so many different types of people doing freelance work, like investing, doing angel investing as a freelancer. I had this idea, I think, of, of everyone being just creative. I love that remember you said, I thought everyone would be a graphic designer. Yeah, that's why I was like, well, that's why things are happening. So I just started happening. Um, it's like, oh, how are you? What do you do? Graphic design? Oh, me too. What do you do? Graphic design. Oh. So yeah, so like that I'm starting. So yeah, I was really impressed by just the diversity of, 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 of freelance work and how, yeah. And then the other thing was, um, yeah, it was kind of similar to, I've actually kind of forgotten what the other thing was. Maybe it will come back Yeah. Yeah, I've forgotten. Shana? I think it was great to realise that we all go through the same kind of experiences, the same emotions, the same up and down, and then coming together and realising how useful it is actually just having another person and a few people just say, just like, wait a sec. Kind of just hold it and let's just have a look at this and it just really opened your eyes again and you kind of needed that support around you so it was really helpful because for me i was really early days with freelance i was kind of all over the place in what i was offering and just in general what i was going to be doing in terms of strategy and i just found it extremely helpful with a really nice group of people that i could feel like i could share thank you yeah, I think similar. Uh, I remember stressing actually <laughs> a lot the about uh, you know the importance of like the exchange, the peer support to know that like other people are going through like similar things, but also like in different ways. But and I was like putting a lot of pressure on myself like to do things in a you know in a time frame. Just like, I don't need to do it now. 
And also, like for me, I think things changed a little bit because I was not um, was not looking for the opportunity of doing a PhD, and suddenly I was doing because there was an opportunity in my bursary. And I said, yeah, so maybe these things that I'm learning here, I can, you know, I can have. I need time to work on it, and being in the program made me realize that. You know, I was rushing. I wanted to do everything in like two months. My website, maybe. Still don't have it ready. I'm still working on the website because I'm still like, you know, like, um, I think like I, I, I just decided, okay, I don't need to look for work now because work is looking for me at the moment. So I set that because I had plans, and then I realized, okay, maybe the plan had to change it, and it's okay because I had so many things in mind how I would want to do things. Yeah, it was great. The exchange. Thank you, Sylvia, Shama, Travis, and Sarah for these answers so far now. I would like to give the mic to our beautiful, wonderful audience tonight. Have you got some questions to any of our panel speakers or all of them? Yes, please go ahead. I have two questions. I'm just going to give you a mic. This is going to also fit into a podcast. Okay, Let's see how far it goes. Thank you. So I have two quick questions. This question from me for Shama, because you said that at first you were a bit all over the place, which for me is where I am right now. I have a bunch of different skill sets, and I don't know which videos. How did you hone yourself down initially to start? <laughs> okay, great question. So with that, I started safe, and I know that maybe I shouldn't say that, but I started where my skill set was strongest, and that was marketing. I was like, what can I do like, right a second? without worrying about all the upskilling and all of that. I was like, what can I do right now to start making money? So I put the feelers out just around, like put it on your Instagram story, looking for freelance work. And like, I managed to get something from a friend just for the first two months, I think it was. And I was like, you know what? Let's just take it and then find the next one where I can actually start positioning myself. I worked on then a proposal. So I got a good testimonial on how amazing it was to be working with me. All of that, set up websites, set up everything basically while I was with that person. And then utilise that being like, these are now my kind of packages from now on. I'd probably say just start with your strongest, but then have a strategy. Is it, is it in six months you want to be in this positioning yourself as someone else, something else? Try and maybe play around with them and adding it on in your packages or whatever it is. Okay, thank you. And then a more general question for all of you is I know we briefly, briefly spoke about money. Um, I'm not yet a freelance, but moving to London and also being young, I had to learn. To kind of, and I'm still learning to negotiate. Sometimes people will offer you something and say, well, this is great money for this. And you're like, well, this is terrible money. I have just about enough to eat. And I imagine freelance can probably potentially be like that sometimes. I don't know, you can let me know. But do you ever find yourself in a position of having to negotiate your fee? And if so, do you have any pointers for that? Excellent question. Thank you so much. Oh, always, <laughs> always negotiating. I, 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 um, you know, I think like in the past I wouldn't do because it didn't have like the confidence, maybe. But then, like I'm never thinking of like my new journey as a as um, a freelancer, my first journey. And I couldn't, you know, I think with time you get confidence and it improves. And yeah, at the beginning you may do some work for the price that you know. You could do better, but like I think with time and experience, we really improve that. 
Yeah. But to exchange with people is always, you know, there are lots of like advice on how to, uh, you know, we can um, ask for more money, you know, show your strengths. I think this is the most important, you know, to show like, you need me because of this and I can give you that, you know, I'm very good at it, so. It's possible, you know, like when I, when I it makes me think of like when I sponsored the British Council. I had experience, but you know, if you're like cultural sector, it's very difficult to, you know, to find this kind of job and have an opportunity. Also, because a lot of people who are in this like vacancies, they, they, they stay forever. <laughs> So there are not many opportunities. So I was applying for an entry job level, although I had experience. And at, at my interview, they said, oh, this is the salary. I said, I forget, you know, like, mm -hmm. I always wanted to work here, but like for this salary, it's impossible. It's like, I don't pay my deals, you know. Even if I go to the top of this, like, it's right not enough, but I, I, you know, I would like to do an investment to do that. But for what you're proposing, I, you don't need to intervene. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I think we're fine with Negotiations, yeah. Charles, Sarah? Um, yeah, negotiating is horrible, like horrible, horrible. Um, yeah, but maybe what you could do if you really don't want to negotiate, which is kind of me. I mean, the only right thing is like a really good way of like avoiding any kind of like being you know, having to negotiate with a long term client on a project by project basis and, and having to always have that conversation. And so, one thing you could do is introduce a kind of a flat rate of some kind, possibly. I don't, I don't know what you do, is it creative projects? Yeah, so um, I'm a mix at the moment between marketing, but my background is like within music. So I know I kind of want to bring the two together. Um, I feel that I could do it, but it, it, there's just there's so many different opportunities and you need to change the way So what you're doing, it sounds like it's kind of like it's super creative and it, there's not really like one way to charge for it either so it's like so so many variables which is often how it is with graphic design and branding and I, I often get clients that say okay so how much is it for like a logo plus packaging plus like social media plus everything else and I just go like whoa, 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 whoa. let's just break it down break it down into smaller pieces project by project um, and then I go this is your hourly rate let's start small with branding and then everything else kind of comes from there and just kind of educate the client slightly as well and the other thing i would do is like really publicize your testimonials like because if you've got some evidence that you're great at what you do that can give people the confidence that you're worth what you're saying you are and it'll kind of like give them less of a reason to have it down negotiate down um, yeah, and then like kind of know your worth as well, maybe like that's good. But like once you get a couple of people paying you close to, if not exactly, then you kind of know exactly where what you're based on, where you want to go, and that gives you a bit of confidence too. Um, and then the last thing probably would be that know, let the client know maybe, or at least have know yourself that the reason you're negotiating because you want the relationship with that client to be more sustainable into the future. 
So you don't want to hate them because they're charging you like they're, they're, you're, they're paying you really badly, and you don't want them to hate you because they're paying through the nose for it, and they don't really see the value in it potentially. So maybe try and like talk about it through those, and you're both trying to reach the best solution for both parties to make it more sustainable for the future. I hope that helps you. I'm terrible at negotiating. Yeah, if, if I want ground swallowing up, that's the moment when. So, yeah. I love how practical that advice was, and I think it's super helpful, at least for me. Sarah, would you like to add anything to that? Um, I think the only thing I would add, it's kind of come up, but just to be really explicit, um, if you can find people who are expensive to you, who really speak to the areas that you're going into, for example, multiple music sharing, um, just again, as we've been talking through the evening, the power of conversation with people. Um, and also the other thing that I would add is in many industries that you might move through, there are often industry set standards. So finding the people who can show you the way you get used so that you are in, when you are in positions of negotiating, you actually have backup there. Like you can say, okay, this is the union or this is the whatever industry body, and know this is a standard. Um, is another thing as you're starting out um, yeah. Oh, sorry, one more thing. Um, <laughs> if you can, also, if you're interested, um, there are lots of resources online right now which are supporting and encouraging, particularly people who identify as women, to um, engage in conversations with negotiating more. There's a lot of stuff on Instagram, for instance, you can start tapping into people who can write scripts around negotiating. So there are resources if you start digging online. Amazing, thank you. Okay, we've got time for one more burning question. If there is one in the audience, yes, go ahead. Hi, um, how do you clock your hours? Because um, I'm going to struggle with this. Because, like, it's not always that I'm at the desk when I'm working. There's, like, my nightmares. <laughs> thinking, how am I going to do this? And I'm, like, problem solving in my dreams. There's, like, as I'm walking somewhere, I'm thinking about the job. And also I, I work on, um, I do different things. I don't have one area. I work in maybe like, I've got like four different types of jobs at the moment, from research to production to um, like creative work. And it's a wide range. So that's switching and like clocking of the hours because I charge a day rate. I, I just haven't mastered it. And what I end up doing is like kind of roughly estimate how much time I think I need for it, and I've just ended up working, working, and like giving up on even trying. And I'm pretty sure I'm overworking for some of these jobs. So how do you guys do it? What a great, great, great question. Who would like to go first? Yes, thanks, go ahead. You just made me realise that I have the same problem as you. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm now thinking, oh my god, I'm like, yeah, I need to. Yeah, I'm interested. Anyone? <laughs> <laughs> there are tools where you start the project. You have that project, how many websites, and you have projects, and then you click start and it's a timer, and then basically you clock in and out in that sense, it's like when you're working on it. But for me, I just do half a day, is my like, chunks, because I can't find it really hard to switch, so I'm maxing, minimum I do now. Is half a day, I'm like 9 to 12, say, is what I'm working on, and that's it. I'll stop 
and then I'll do another half day, another day, because I just find it too hard, because you overwork and you, yeah. you, get, you get in the wrong mindset as well if you're constantly jumping. Does anyone? Oh. No, it's cool. So I have a long walk. Yeah, yeah. So many different things. Yeah. Too many different things for some time. Yeah, it's one hour for one eighteen and then another one. So it's out of I have all my appointments. I have all my appointments and my outlook. Mm. So, yeah. How long does no other? Yeah, some kind of systems of strategies. Yeah, I suppose actually I, I keep quite a simple schedule and reflection. I have sort of like five clients at any time. Um, and I block out very similarly. I keep my schedule very simple. So it's like literally this morning block is for this client, or even this whole day is for this client. And it's kind of one repeat each week. And on some level, I probably weigh up in my mind. I think it's a little bit of give and take. So maybe I like think about this idea when I'm on the bus. But then, like, maybe I was like, I had a coffee on the on the balcony for 10 minutes for a break. So I thought, I think, well, it's a bit of give and take. So I don't do like minute by minute. I'm not so fastidious about it where I feel like everything needs to be charged. And, and if I go to the bathroom, I need to like stop the time. <laughs> it's like, because that was one of the experiences that I had at the time studio. We had a clock in the middle of the screen, and literally, you went to the bathroom and had to stop. And yeah, there were penalties. It was horrible. Um, yeah, keep it simple. That's my advice. That also just leaves me shivers, but in the wrong kind of way. <laughs> um, the thing that's coming up for me as you share this really is um, two main things. One is about clarity in communication, and the other, intertwined with that, is around boundaries. So I think often when we are juggling a million different projects and a million different roles, it can be quite easy for it to be um, swayed into this kind of mud pool of stuff that we're plucking. Okay, now I'm doing this thing. Okay, now I'm doing that thing. And now it's 11 o'clock and I'm still thinking about that thing. Um, I think what everyone, what we've all described here is, yeah, being really clear about when am I doing this? and communicating that with whoever it is that you're working, because you didn't choose to go into this way of life to punish yourself, I assume. Uh, you didn't choose to want to be a martyr to the work that you're doing, I assume. I know that I've definitely been there, and I definitely felt like, oh, when did I choose this? <laughs> this wasn't what I was, uh, came into this for. Um, so having a process of going, okay, how can I step back for a minute, Logic it out in whatever way, and there are so many ways that have just been presented. And how can I now start to begin to communicate these boundaries with whoever it is that I'm working? Um, and that might be different for each one of them because every company that you work with works differently. Um, but yeah, just being really like self-conscious and being really like standing your worth around your time uh, because this is your life, you know. That makes sense. I think that is the perfect ending note. Can we give a massive round of applause to our This must be so insightful, and if you got inspired by what our panelists just talked about, please do sign up to Echo. We've got plenty of free programs and workshops on 
project management, branding, TikTok coming up also this summer. And thank you for joining us. The, if you enjoyed this panel discussion, it will be on Roger or Job podcast. So do share it if inspired and, and give it a listen and, and a like. And yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. <laughs>